Um, so for those of you that don't know, this is uh, Clarissa. And Clarissa, um, <clears throat> we polluted her car um, with one of our postcards when we first started in um, October 2010. We had like services every other week and then we didn't have regular service until January 2011. Um, and so she was at the first service and has been here ever since. And Clarissa, um, I don't really remember when I said it to her, but at some point in time, I said, man, like she's just involved in everything and everywhere. And you can count on her for anything. She's dependable. She's punctual. She's like on her email. She calls you back. She texts you. She's like almost the perfect volunteer. It's incredible because she's not really serving to like, you know, make me happier, to make other people happier so other people see her. She's just doing it because she just wants to serve God in whatever capacity it might look like, whatever capacity, you know, it might be. That's why she does it. And that's why she's like so good in it. And she's a little bit of a perfectionist, so that plays in a little bit too. Um, but I call her a gamer. Like she's just a gamer. Whatever it is. If, she, uh, if I ask her, hey, you know, would you mind maybe doing Sunday school this week? Sure, I'll do it. And she will come up with the best lesson she possibly can. Or hey, maybe like can you greet some people? Sure, I'll do that. Can you maybe help out some more stuff? Sure. Or if there's a ministry thing we're doing, yeah, I'd love to do it. She's like always been in the middle of everything. And so with all that being said, um, this is her last Sunday with us. It's her last Sunday with us. Um, and so... We do love you, and we're going to miss her. Um, she's heading off to medical school uh, in Antigua, in the islands. Um, and so uh, she will be there, and maybe we'll see her in a couple years. Um, I don't know. Um, but I just wanted to just bring her up here and just brag about her, honestly. Um, not because she asked me to, and she really had no idea, but because um, I just wanted to let her know and let everybody know how much I appreciate her and what she has done, and um, we're certainly going to miss her quite a bit. And so I wanted to also uh, pray with her uh, before she goes. And so maybe if like uh, one person could pray, whoever, and, and then I'll close in prayer. Um, and if you get a chance before you leave today, just say hi to Clarissa and you know, ask her a little bit about her trip and maybe how you can pray for her. So let's pray. So one person and then I'll close up. Yes, Lord, and I echo her prayer, Lord, and I just, I'm thankful for the time that we had uh, with her, Lord. Um, and her parents that are here today, Lord, they've just uh, been a blessing, Lord. And we know that you've prepared her steps, Lord, you've prepared where she's going to go and what she's going to do. And um, God, we thank you uh, for her. Just pray that you keep her safe and you continue to uh, shine brightly through her wherever she goes, Lord. So we just thank you for her. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Alrighty, so uh, this morning, right, so we're going to take a break um, from the Sermon on the Mount from the book of Matthew, and we're going to talk um, certainly about Easter, right, about He is risen, about how the tomb is empty, and what that means. So if you have uh, a Bible, which you should, I, I, there's some blue Bibles there, I think there's some white ones probably too, but we're going to be in Luke 24. Um, so <clears throat> if you could turn there, uh, that would be great. 
and we'll talk a little bit about today and uh, what it offers. <clears throat> and so uh, let me pray before we uh, get started. <clears throat> God, we just... Um, We just thank you for your supreme sacrifice. We thank you, uh, you know, just for even agreeing to come here on earth, Lord, from a perfect place like heaven, God. Uh, Coming here to be with us. To live the life that you did, uh, really mocked and ridiculed most of the time, and then eventually uh, murdered by those you came to save, Lord. And so, God, we thank you for that, Lord. And God, we celebrate... um, you rising from the dead and what you have done for us, Lord. And God, we just pray, Lord, that um, lessons from your resurrection, um, that we would be able to learn them today. That you'd be able to instill them in our hearts, Lord, um, in that same power that rose you from the dead, God, lives inside of us, Lord. And so God, we just uh, thank you for this morning and we put it in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, so as I said before, uh, you know, good morning, and uh, thank you for rising early to celebrate uh, Christ's resurrection, you know, with us. Um, because people all over the world, right, are gathering together this morning. Uh, some later, okay. Also some earlier, right, on the other half of the globe, they've already been up and they already celebrated um, Jesus rising from the dead. But Easter is a time known by us in the Western world as a time when we usually get off from work, massive candy sales, Easter baskets, Easter eggs, and a barrage of bright colors and springtime themes. So did you know? Did you know that today about 80% of people plan to celebrate Easter? Which is interesting, 80%. I wonder how many actually buy into the whole reason of it. But 80% plan to celebrate Easter. There's going to be 120 million pounds of candy that will be bought. It's a lot of money. There will be 16 billion, with a B, 16 billion jelly beans for Easter. That can wrap around the globe nearly three times. Is that crazy? That's a lot of sugar. That's a lot of sugar. As many of you know, some parts of this might be a little confusing. Um, and some parts of this miraculous day seem to have nothing to do with Christ's resurrection at all, starting with just the name Easter. Right? Some people, as soon as you say like Happy Easter, like it's it's a little bit of like a, a bit of a drawback, a little bit of a sensitivity there to it. You know, some people would rather say Happy Resurrection Day, or some people would rather just drop all that together and just really celebrate it as really a Passover. So, like, what is going on, and where is all that coming from? Well, Easter was, nev- was actually never celebrated in the Bible or in the records of early Christians. Never was. Easter, the way we know it, never celebrated by them. This time of the year was actually a celebration of Passover. So like this whole time this week, you know, we had last Sunday, Palm Sunday, and you had this week where he got betrayed, he got crucified, and he rose again. This is all during Passover week. And so what would happen is the early Christians they would actually still celebrate Passover, they'd still celebrate that time, uh, but they would use Christ and celebrate Him as the true Passover Lamb. 
And so Passover then turned into celebration of Christ's death and his resurrection. So that's what they would do. Um, and so Passover, if you remember, right, without going into too much detail, that was a time when God set free the Hebrews from Egypt. And really, there was the last straw that broke Pharaoh's back where he eventually said, okay, you know what, just get out of here. And basically they picked up their stuff and they rushed and they got out. So what was the last straw that broke his back? Well, the last straw that broke his back, that really got him to respond to Moses' endless pleas, was the death of the firstborn. And God told Moses, and he said, hey, listen, he hasn't listened to any of your plagues so far, but now he's going to listen. And what's going to happen is he's going to respond because I'm going to actually send an angel to go throughout all of Egypt and to kill the firstborn. And after that, Pharaoh's going to let you go. And then God said, listen, that angel of death is not going to come to your house. He's not going to touch you as long as you take some blood from a lamb and you paint it on the door frames. As long as you do that, he will pass over you. Pass over, right? So as long as you do that, he'll pass over you. And sure enough, it happened. And Pharaoh, that night, it's like, just get out of here. Get out of here, get out of here. Threw him out of there almost. Couldn't get him out fast enough. Just devastated. And it said that she was just weeping and crying all throughout the nation. And so they grab all their stuff. Two million of them, three million of them. Grab all their stuff, grab everything, they go. And so their bread, with the, their meals, what they had, they, their bread didn't even rise. They left so quickly. And so when they celebrate Passover, they use unleavened bread. They didn't have a chance to rise. They just had to be so rushed out of there. And so that lamb that they painted on the door frames where it would pass over their house when the early Christians celebrated Easter, that's how they celebrated their Passover because it wasn't just some random lamb that got sacrificed and they painted the door frames like they did in the original Passover. Now when they celebrated the Passover, it was Jesus Christ, His blood that was spilt and shed was the ultimate Passover lamb. They call him the Paschal Lamb. That was it. He fulfilled Passover. So when they would celebrate Easter or Passover or Resurrection Day, whatever you want to call it, that's what they were celebrating. The fulfillment of the true Passover. The last Passover that would ever happen. And so that's the way they did it. A little different than ours. You know, a little bit less. Uh, no Easter bunnies, no eggs, you know, all that stuff. Um, so where did that stuff come from? Um, well, some people believe that, you know, the term Easter... Uh, came from a pagan kind of Babylonian god that had a similar name, Estor. Um, or there's also a, a translation um, in some uh, German texts and Bibles that kind of got misquoted and it sounds like Easter. And so, exactly where does it come from? Well, most people probably think it's from that Babylonian kind of pagan god, so they don't want to say that name, Easter. Um, but, whether we call it Easter or Passover or Resurrection Day, us, right, at Calvary Chapel Naugatuck, and for most Christians, we use it as a day to celebrate Christ's resurrection. Like, that's central, that's where it is. So no matter what terms or how you're going to talk about it, we still have memory, memories and ideas associated with Easter, right? We all have them. Maybe some pleasant, maybe some not so pleasant. Um, just like the children in a particular Sunday school class. Did you hear about this Sunday school class? It's pretty interesting. So it says, a Sunday school teacher, not here, just some random one, Sunday school teacher asked her class on the Sunday before Easter if they knew what happened on Easter and why it was important. One little girl spoke up saying, Easter is when the whole family gets together, 
and you eat turkey and sing about the pilgrims and all that. No, that's not it, said the teacher. I know what Easter is, the second student responded. Easter is when you get a tree and you decorate it and give gifts to everybody and sing lots of songs. No, that's not it, replied the teacher. Finally, a third student spoke up. Easter is when Jesus was killed and put in a tomb and left for three days. Ah, thank goodness, somebody knows, the teacher thought to herself. But then the student went on. Then everybody gathers at the tomb and waits to see if Jesus comes out. And if he sees a shadow, he has to go back inside and we have six more weeks of winter. <laughs> right? So there's... That's a great one. Right? So there's a lot of ideas as far as Easter and how it works and where it's coming from. We have these different memories. Uh, for some, like we said, it's a joyous day. For others, it's painful because of sickness, job loss, or loss of a loved one. I ran into two people just yesterday saying that, you know, you know just uh, try one at Walmart, cashier at Walmart, um, and someone else, a neighbor on, on our street, and we got, you know, two people, you know, hi, celebrating Easter, what are you guys going to do? Uh, you know, we're not going to celebrate it. Um, you know, my uh, husband or my boyfriend, they're dying of cancer right now, so we're not even going to celebrate it. That's awful, you know? That is tough tough stuff. Yesterday, two people, both from Dinah Cantor, can't even, you know, really celebrate or enjoy Easter in the way that normally they would, you know? Or some people that have lost a loved one fairly recently, you know, Easter won't be necessarily the same without them, you know, not having them at the table. And so it's like, you know, most holidays, there's just a bag of mixed emotions. You know, it can be very difficult. But no matter what ideas or what memories or challenges may surround us this day, this day of Easter is about resurrection. That's it. That's like that's our focus. That's what we're going to hold on to. There's no way around it. And this resurrection today, what we're celebrating, this belief, it's central to the apostles' teaching that we read about, and central to the Christian's faith. So, if we're a professing Christian, professing believer, it's central to us. How do we know that? Like a little Sunday school lesson, right? Jesus is risen. Maybe we'll do that next year in one of our Sunday schools. Um, right there. It says, By His power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and He will raise us also. This is a central message for the Christian. That resurrection happens, that Christ has conquered the grave. And today is arguably the most important day for a Christian. Because the Christian believes that this is the essence, the cornerstone of our faith. The resurrection power of Jesus. Right, and so as we mentioned, people all over the world are gathering together this morning. Some are gathering for different reasons. Some feel an obligation to be at church today. Some want to be at church. Some actually want to be there. Some know that they have to or at least be at church for the major days. Some are looking forward to their Lent pledges to be over. Whatever Lent pledges they may have made, they know today, whew, it's over, we made that 40 days, whatever it is. The real question is, think about this question and let it soak in a little bit. How many people gathered actually believe Christ rose from the dead? How many people gathered today actually really truly believe that He rose from the dead? Right? So that's one that we want to think about. Right there. That's the key question that I want you to soak in and we're going to take a look at today. Because that has some implications depending upon how you answer that. 
So that's the question we're going to be looking at. How many people gathered actually believe Christ rose from the dead? So we're going to take a look at that. Um, and specifically, we're going to take a look at two essential lessons that I think we can take away from Easter, from Passover, from the resurrection. Two lessons we can take away from that. His power and His hope. So these are the two things that we're going to take away from this morning. His power, His hope. So we're going to take a look at Luke chapter 24. And we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Uh, it says it right in your bulletin. Um, I mentioned it before, so you've had a lot of time to turn there. And so let's read and take a look and see what happened this morning on Easter. And chances are it probably happened early. Um, so we're like right in line with what's going on. Okay? So chapter 24, verse 1. says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Right? Interesting that the women were the ones that were uh, there taking their spices and they're going to be the first ones there. In verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be, rise, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others, others with them, who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Right? So that's that morning as far as what happened. So here's what we start with. His power. First essential item. Right? And we see from this passage that miraculous morning that would forever change history. It's crazy to look at that. Like, this is the morning, you know, that would happen. And, you know, maybe the dating isn't exactly perfect and how it all works out. And where you go with the Gregorian calendar and not, you know, and stuff. But basically, the idea being that that morning changed history forever. His faithful followers, the women of the group, went to the tomb to take care of the body. To purify it, prepare it in like a holy, reverent way. As they approached the tomb, they were discussing about who would roll away the stone that covered the tomb. You know, as they're getting there, they're like, geez, you know, this tomb has a huge stone. How the heck are we going to move this thing? You know, and they're trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do as they're walking there. Joseph of Arimathea, a friend and disciple of Christ, probably told the women where the Christ would be and that that huge stone would be there. And as they approached, they saw the stone rolled away and they saw an empty tomb with angels in the tomb saying that he has risen, just like he said. What a morning. And so we live in a day, right, where this kind of power is something um, sort of similar to this power. It's like what we see and we're kind of around it all the time. We can send men into space. We could develop bombs that destroy entire countries. We have seen men control hundreds of thousands of other people. We can accomplish almost anything. I mean, people in the Bible, if they saw the way we live and the type of things that we're actually able to do, they would, it would blow their minds. Incredible. 
Many of us have used our God-given intellect and abilities to create powerful machinery, amazing methods to accomplish things, and unfortunately a lot of evil as well. One kind of power that often goes overlooked and sometimes not even noticed is the power of the Christian. Sometimes it just doesn't get a lot of press and sometimes it's not even noticed. Jesus' ministry and time here on earth was spent in love, in prayer, and in sacrifice and in power. Absolutely in power, right? He casted out demons. He healed people on the spot. He did signs and wonders that made people be in awe and sometimes in disbelief. And that was just a taste, really. It's just a taste as far as what he could do. Just a scratch on the surface of the type of power that our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, has. Jesus displayed his ultimate power in his victory over death. This is where he really let it all hang out. He pulled out the trump card. And he's like, this is what I can really do, right? This is, this is what I got. This is the type of power that I represent. And so in 1 Corinthians, when it says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting, of, uh, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God! Exclamation point, right? Thanks be to God! He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because the victory is in Him. Conquering the, gra the grave, conquering death. This is exciting news. I mean, we just had March Madness. Uh, we, you know, basketball. You know, there's sports. There's football. There's people get excited about all kinds of things, and you see grown men weep and cry and high five and jump and act crazy. Man, it doesn't get much bigger than this. It does not get any bigger than this. Like this is the time where, geez, you know, on a Sunday morning, let's act kind of a fool and celebrate and enjoy it together. Not to be obnoxious for obnoxious sake, but just because it's just oozing out of you because it is so exciting. It is tremendous. But it has to go back to that question, right? It's, you know, it depends how many people who gathered actually believe that. And this power is here for the taking if we want it. That same power that rose Jesus is available to us if we choose to allow it. If we choose to allow it. It's not going to violate our free will. Jesus said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus himself said, listen, you're impressed by me and by what I can do. You're going to do even better things than this. This is just a preview. And that power is available to us if we choose to accept it and let it. And yes, God may give us the ability to heal others. Uh, he may give us a part or an ability to be a part of amazing signs and wonders. But in many cases, that supernatural power that rose Him from the dead comes in the uncommon, less recognized form of everyday life. What do I mean? What am I talking about? Stuff like this. The power to forgive someone when it would be impossible for someone else considering that particular situation. And you've heard stories and you've seen people where it's like, I don't know why they're forgiving them. I would never do that. I don't know how they could even do that. That type of supernatural power. 
the ability to have the comforting words that someone may need at just the perfect time. How can you do that? How can you really deliver just those perfect words that someone needs to hear, and not just the words, but have the timing just be perfect. Just slides right in, just perfect. Can't do it without God's guidance, wisdom, direction with Him inside of us, guiding those words in that conversation. The strength to shake off an incredibly difficult situation and trust Christ with it. How do people endure some of the things that they go through? The ability to experience peace in the midst of a devastating storm. Because Jesus never said that, you know, as soon as we become believers in Him, that life will get easier. In fact, sometimes it gets harder. Because the cost was the cross for sure. And it's going to cost us some stuff. But He did promise a peace. And with stress levels on the rise, the way they are, and all the types of diseases that comes from stress, that peace is at a premium. How about the courage to take a stand like you never have before? When was the last time you just had some courage and you took a stand when nobody else did and you were scared out of your mind, but you're going to take that stand because you feel like God is maybe leading you to do it. Or how about this one? Purity of intentions and motivations that you have never known before. Imagine that if like, you know, when you go to do an act, you go to do something, and you actually have purity of heart in doing it, where you're doing it for the right reasons. Because you could do something that could look good and could seem right, but if like on the inside, you weren't, didn't have the right intentions and motivations, that's not good, and that's what Jesus is after. But imagine being able to do that. Maybe even once in a while. And then maybe even have it be fairly regular. That type of power is what we're talking about. The type of love and compassion for another human that Jesus had and that he lived out. This kind of power infused life that overcomes sin, our flesh, and the devil. That's what we're talking about. That kind of life overcomes us, ourselves, the devil. This is the type of power that we could live in. This is the type of power and victory that we as Christians should be experiencing. Should be. At some point in time, we should have that experience. If we never have, we've got to ask ourselves exactly what's going on. This is the kind of life that we are called to live. We're not called to sit on the sidelines and watch others live these amazing lives of power and faith for God. It's not our calling. We're called to be in the game. God desires to fill us and work through us with that same death-defying power. question is, do you believe it? Because God desires to fill us and work through us with that same death-defying power that we celebrate this morning. So that's one lesson, right, that we can certainly take away His power. The other, His hope. This is an important aspect, because you don't want just the power part. Why? Because you don't want people to be consumed just with like this power and the supernatural and all these kind of cool things that maybe God might do. Uh, we could develop an unhealthy lust and infatuation with it. We don't want that. Uh, this unhealthy desire and infatuation for the power is seen uh, during many times in the Bible. And you read about people who are, it's like, wow, if I did stuff in the name of Jesus, these things would be done. And they ended up getting in trouble for that later. Or they tried to buy it. Or they tried to do certain things with this power and just wasn't good. People wanted it for their own ends and selfish ambitions. But God wants to use it for His perfect glory. This tremendous power that God wants to see worked in our lives should fill us with a tremendous sense of hope. That's where it's headed. 
Like that should be like kind of the connecting part. Like this power that we see that's available, that's risen Christ from the dead, should immediately bring us to some hope. The hope that if God raised Jesus from the dead, He could do the seemingly impossible in my life. That's what it should lead us to. If God can do that, He could do anything. And sometimes you see athletes, right? And I remember uh, uh, one uh, kid uh, that I coached on my basketball team, you know, every game. Well, there's a bunch of kids, but this one kid in particular, you know, every game he'd have a Bible verse, you know, on his sneakers. And, um, you know, Tim Tebow sometimes, you know, puts it, you know, under his eye black and stuff. You know, Philippians 4.13. You know, the verse of, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things through Christ who strengthens me. Because they actually buy in to this hope. They actually have that hope that it is possible I could do all things through Christ. And this should be a mark of a Christian that's set apart from everybody else. This kind of hope. So I think that if we were to take a look, or a long look, for the matter of the world we live in, there's not much reason for hope. Right? If you just kind of take a look at this world that we live in. Corruption is rampant. Selfishness and greed are like the modus operandi, the MO of the day. Uh, the economy is in horrible shape, right? I mean, people are losing jobs. I mean, finances are just bad news. It's just, it's pretty depressing, actually. Uh, most people's homes are underwater. Um, sickness and starvation is all over the globe. All over the globe. There are animals dying for no apparent reason all over the place. I mean, did you see, right, this past, art, this uh, last week, you know, there's like 3,000 dolphins that just died off like the coast of Peru. Uh, before that, there's actually a bunch of dolphins, uh, for whatever reason, getting stuck in Cape Cod and dying. Um, then there was just like thousands of fish uh, in another part of the country that just wound up dead and scientists are like, I don't know why this stuff is happening. It's just weird and bizarre stuff, you know, that's going on. Um, what is this stuff? There's uh, natural disasters seem to be striking more frequently, seems to be, you know, with these uh, tsunamis and uh, hurricanes and tornadoes. It's craziness. And families, I mean, look at our families that are, in this, that are here today. Um, they seem to be more dysfunctional, more unhealthy than ever. I mean, it's so rare to have a family that has two parents that grow up, have dinner together, um, where there's not like a latchkey kid at home. Like, it's, it's sad stuff. And the list can just go on and on, right? I mean, there's plenty of things to just look around and be like, Shh. and that's why most people are like, you know what? Because I see all of this, if there really was a God, this wouldn't be going on. It just leads you to really despair. Like Billy Graham said, evil seems to be winning and good seems to be losing. That's what it seems to be like. But let's not put our hope and faith into our guns, our military, our money, our pleasure. These things are not going to satisfy and they don't last forever. There's never a U-Haul following a hearse. Right? Never happens. These are just things. They're just stuff. Let's hope in the resurrecting, life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Right? Let's hope in the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. That's our hope. A hope that this world is just a preview and we are just passing through. Just a snapshot. Like it says in the Bible, just a mist. If I had a spray bottle, you spray it, the mist, you see it for a second and disappears. That's us. Just showing up for a short period of time, passing through, trying to max out that short period of time for the kingdom. 
and forever we'd be with Him in eternity. That God knows exactly what He's doing and that eternity will be far better than now. So we don't have to fear anything. Not even death. Death is just a bridge to cross to the other side. So, in conclusion, okay, it leads us to this. What is my response to Easter's message of power and hope really going to be? Because at some point it's got to draw us to something. Because remember the question from the very beginning, right? How many people gathered actually believe he, like really truly believe he rose from the dead? How many people actually believe that? That kind of demands a response. It says, when the women left the tomb, it says that they were filled with, great, with fear and great joy. They left and they're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited, but it's like, this is really weird, you know? And they just saw the angels. It's, you can imagine their range of emotions. And that's what they experienced when they left. It also said that the women got back to the disciples and that they didn't even believe him because it sounded like nonsense. Like, come on, this is totally ridiculous. Even though Jesus lived with them for the past three years and told them about this many times. Does it sound like nonsense that Jesus rose from the dead? Does that sound like nonsense? Are you unsure of it? Do you feel unsettled about it? Does it sound like nonsense that Jesus wants to fill your life, our life, with power and hope? Do you think that he actually could? If you're unsure, then take a cue from Peter. Every once in a while, Peter like does something awesome and then sometimes he just falls on his face. I can relate. If you're unsure, then take a cue from him. Run to him and find out for yourself. That's what he did. The women came back. He said, listen, here's what we found. Here's what happened. They're all like, come on, you know, no, this just isn't happening. You know, you're probably just really upset, you know, really anxious. You think that maybe this might be happening, you know, I'm playing it down. And Peter's like, uh, you know, he's kind of on the fence. And he's like, well, only one way to find out. Put on his ASICs, go run down there and go check it out. Right? That's what he did. He took the initiative and went after it. That's kind of a cue for us to do if we have any of those feelings of unsettledness, of unsurety. So look into these matters about Christ and most importantly, ask Him about it. Put on your ASICs, turn on the computer, type it into Google, grab a Bible, grab some trusted friends, do some research, check it out. Take Peter's cue. The only warning is that sometimes our time here on earth gets cut short. And I personally would urge you not to waste any time and approach it like your life depends on it because it does. Because it does. So now if the resurrection does not sound like nonsense to you, right? We look at the same question at the beginning. Do we actually believe he rose from the dead? Because if you do and you're wasting time, so if you actually really believe that he did and we're kind of just sitting around just kind of watching everybody else be into this thing and we're kind of on the sidelines, what are we doing? There's a life to be lived here and it's only like for a moment. It's but a mess. There is a life of victory, of power, and of fulfillment that we're completely missing out on if we're not into it. And if you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead, when you came to an Easter service, like this morning, 
it would be extremely wise to trust him with the rest of your life. Don't you think? That same power that rose from the dead, it's probably worthwhile to trust the rest of our life with them. So the encouragement is to have us live in this power and in this hope that is offered to us on Easter. That's our encouragement today, is to look at that and say, listen, if it really happened, if he really did rise from the dead, if I had to bet all my money on it, everything on it, what am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with that? Because there is some power there, there is some hope there, there's a whole other life there that's available. And so what we're going to do is we're going to close um, in one song. So Clarissa and Matt are going to come up. Uh, we're going to sing that song, uh, Mighty to Save, to close. And when they're done singing the song, what we'll do is we'll uh, stand together and close in prayer, and then we'll go downstairs and grab some breakfast. But during the song, I would, you know, uh, take special note of the words that are in there. You are mighty to save, you've conquered the grave. Um, it's a great song. And so afterwards, we'll uh, stand and we'll close in prayer. Thank
can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Amen. Praise God. So let's, uh, as we're standing, we'll close in prayer. Um, <clears throat> God, we are just uh, here this morning, Lord, to celebrate that resurrection power, Lord, and that hope that it leads to God. And we pray, Lord, um, no matter where we are on that spectrum, um, as far as actually believing that you really did rise from the dead, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would actually challenge you on that, Lord, and ask you, did you really rise from the dead? And actually have enough courage to trust our lives with you, Lord. In a way to where we could experience that power and that hope, God. And so, Lord, for the rest of this day, Lord, as we, wherever we go and whatever we do, for with family and friends, and we're sharing that time, Lord, I pray that you bless uh, each family here uh, in the day that they have, God. And just may it be just a, a joyous time of uh, just enjoying each other and celebration, God. And so, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We put this day into your hands, Lord, because it is your day, Father. It is your day. And I can't imagine what it's like in heaven just celebrating you rising from the dead. So may we just experience just a piece of that.